With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. Again, once again, uh, nothing but the truth. And uh, we're going to do part two of uh, mystic, mysticism in uh, the, the church. I wonder if I spelled that wrong. Oh, I didn't. Okay. And we're going to start out with uh, reading an article from Ray um, Youngen, Filling the Vacuum with Mysticism, is the name of the article. Why are the mainstream denominations so open to meditative and holistic practices? Dr. David R. Griffin, uh, Professor of Theology at the United Methodist College of Claremont, California, states, Spiritual vacuum. A spiritual vacuum exists in organized religion that might be filled by theologies that draw from better or worse from what is called parapsychology, paranormal studies, uh, psychic phenomena, and somewhat prerogatively uh, the New Age movement. New Agers have become very much aware of the spiritual vacuum and have directed their efforts towards filling it. Metaphysical leader James Fadman makes the following observation. The traditional religious world is just beginning to make changes, but it's a slow process, denomination by denomination. When religious institutions begin to lose members year after year, they eventually become aware that there's not, they're not meeting people's needs. Before long, they, they're scurrying around looking for innovative programs and improvements. Even atheists have observed this trend. Science fiction writer Richard E. Giss, or Giss um, comments on his personal journey that the mainstream Christians are lip service religions in the main, convenience religions, social religions, and they are the ones most subject to erosion and defections and infiltration and subversions. A large and successful effort seems to have been made by the occultist New Age planners to dilute and alter the message of most of the mainstream Christian religions. This is made evident by the quote which appeared in a newspaper interview with the owner of a New Age bookstore she reveals. A lot of people come in who are very Christian. They are looking by whatever means to move closer to God on an individual basis. This shows that a great number of people who consider themselves to be Christians, have a rather dull and dreary attitude towards their faith. They are looking for something to fill the void. One of the foremost individuals who has attempted to fill this void 
with the New Age is Marcus Borg, professor and author of many widely read books. In one of them, The God We Never Knew, he lays out very concisely how he went from being a traditional Christian to a mature Christian. He relates, I learned from my professors and the readings they assigned that uh, Jesus almost certainly was not born of a virgin, did not think of himself as the Son of God, and did not see his purpose as dying for our sins of the world. By the time I was 30, like Humpty Dumpty, my childhood faith had fallen into pieces. My life since has led to quite a different understanding of what the Christian tradition says about God. Like multitudes of liberal Christians who believe as he does, Borg turned to mysticism to fill the spiritual void that he, his way of thinking, inevitably led leads to. Borg reveals, I learned about the use of mantras as a means of giving the mind something to focus and refocus on as it sinks into silence. This is a recurring theme in his books, including his very influential book, The Heart of Christianity. Even though Marcus Borg would certainly not call himself a New Ager, his practices and views of God on God would be in line with traditional New Age thought, i.e. God is everything, is in everything, and every and each person is a reciprocal of the divine, uh, which is uh, accessed through meditation. Borg is the key example of what I'm trying to convey. He is not some Hindu guru or counterculture type personality. He represents the mainstream for millions of people in liberal churches, but his spiritual platform is pure New Age, and he makes clear when he expounds the sacred is not somewhat somewhere else. Uh, speciality distant from us. So space especially uh, distant from us. Rather, we live within God and God has always been in relationship to us, journeying with us and yearning to be known by us. Yet we commonly do not know this and experience this. We commonly do not perceive the world of spirit. This perception is, of course, as I have shown in uh, Youngin's books, uh, the outcome of mantra-induced silence. The following is another barometer of the Christian tolerance to New Age ideas. The late psychologist M. Scott Peck wrote a phenomenal bestseller on psychology and spiritual growth titled The Road Less Traveled. The book contains insights and suggestions for dealing with life's problems which is why it has generated the interest it has. The book also incorporates the central themes of ancient wisdom. God wants us to become himself. This is a quote, uh, or herself, or itself. <laughs> we are uh, growing towards Godhood. God is the goal of, of evolution. It is God who is the source of the evolutionary force, and God who is the destination. This is what we mean when we say that he is the ultimate omega, the beginning, the end. 
in one thing, it is one thing to believe in a nice old God who will take good care of us from lofty position of power, which we, are, we ourselves could never begin to attain. It's quite another to believe in a God who has in it in has it in mind for us precisely that we should attain his position, his power, wisdom, and identity. Uh, Madame, Madame Blavatsky, excuse me, and Alice Bailey, uh, New Age occultist, could not have said it any better. Peck reveals where he was coming from when he said, "But the road is is a sound New Age book, not a." flaky one. This book, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for over 400 weeks, has been incredibly popular in Christian circles for years. Pack himself said the book sells best in the Bible Belt. What is happening to mainstream Christianity is the same thing that is happening to business, health, education, counseling, and other areas of society. Christendom is being cultivated for a role in the new age. This ultimately points to the global religion based on meditation and mystical experience. New age writer David Spangler explains it in the following way. Quote, there will be several religious and spiritual disciplines as there are today, each serving different sensibilities and affinities, each enriched by or enriching the particular culture or soil in which it is rooted. However, there will also be a planetary spirituality that will celebrate on the sacredness of the whole humanity and appropriate festivals, rituals, and sacraments. There will be a more widespread understanding experience of the holistic nature of reality, resulting in a shared outlook that today would be called mystical. Mysticism has always overflowed the bounds of uh, particular religious traditions, and a new world. This would even more. This would be even more true. End of quote. The rise of centering prayer is causing many churches to become agents of transformation. Those who practice it tend to embrace uh, a one-world religion idea. One of the main proponents of centering prayer has this revelation. It is my sense from, from having meditated with persons from many different traditions that in the science we experience a deep unity. That's ridiculous. When we go beyond the portals of the rational mind into the experience, there is only one guide to be experienced. I think it has been a common experience for all persons of goodwill that we sit together, centering our... We experience a solidarity that seems to cut through all our philosophical and theological differences. In this context, we may compare all the world's religions to a uh, dairy herd. Each cow may look different on the outside, but the milk would all be the same. The different religious groups would maintain their own separate identities, but the universal spiritual practice would bind them together, not so much, uh, not so much a one-world church as a one-world spirituality. It's Episcopal priest and New Age leader Matthew Fox explains what he calls deep 
uh, ecumenism. Without mysticism, there will be deep... Okay, without mysticism, there will be no deep ecumenism. No unleashing of the power of wisdom from all the world's religious traditions. Without this, I'm convinced there will never be a global, be global peace or justice, since the human race needs spiritual depth and discipline, celebration and rituals to awake to better selves. The promises, the promise of ecumenism, the coming together of religions, has been thwarted because world religions have not been relating at a level of mysticism. Fox believes that the world religions will eventually be bound together by the cosmic Christ principle, which is another term for higher self. As incredible as this may sound, it appears to be happening now. The New Age is embedded in American religious culture far deeper and broader than many people imagine. If you, if your concept of a New Age is simply astrology, tarot cards, tarot cards, uh, reincarnation, then you would easily miss the real New Age as it pulses through the religious currents. The religious current. If mystical prayer continues to advance, then we could one day see perhaps sooner than we expect many Christian churches becoming conduits of the New Age thought of their membership. From For Many Shall Come in My Name by Ray Eugen, pages uh, 123 to 130. And with that, I will listen to another video concerning this matter. <clears throat> and I think uh, this guy does a pretty good job. And he explains, hopefully he'll think a little more about his own personal experience. Anyways, think about, I believe it's Warren Smith, but don't get me wrong. Don't, get me, don't quote me on that. Uh, once again, it's part of this Signs of the Times seminar, part two, session four, and on YouTube. So check it out. But this stuff, I think God is doing a work. We were just eating last night in Marie Calendars, and we were just talking everything, and, and, uh, and Ray said, you know, I, I really believe that there's just something that God is doing going to do some great thing to this. And as he is preparing you for what you're going to take from here, you are God's army. Okay? Take it out. Do not compromise it. If you have to stand alone, let's do it. I don't want to fight. If you want to fight, let's do it. I don't really care. I didn't back out from anybody in the world. I'm not going to back out from Christians. <laughs> There's no way. All right? Come on, come on. <laughs> Xavier said it's a shame we have to talk about this. That's right out of uh, Ephesians 5. Um, the Apostle Paul said it's a shame that we have to talk about these things. But what did he say? He said that we must. We must bring them into the light and expose them. And that's what we have to do. We can't just sit back in our churches while we're watching our friends and other churches just going right down the tubes. So 
we must do whatever we can to warn people. Uh, that's part of our responsibility as being believers. This material can get kind of heavy, and we have a lot of time where we are in airports and kind of just sit there and you go over your notes like for the 20th time. And I was looking at 1 Timothy 4.1 when I was going into Kansas City. And, um, you know, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in a lot of times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. That's what we've been talking about. And I was sitting there and I was a little bit tired of my notes and I said, you know, there must be like 50 ways to leave your Savior. And... Uh, <laughs> So I started writing them down, and sure enough, there, there were at least 50 ways. But the, the ones that I wrote down, I kind of cheated a little bit on, cause since I was coming here. Read the shack, Jack. Forget about grace, ace. Deny the cross, hoss. Get drunk in the barrio, Mario. <laughs> Be your own savior, Xavier. <laughs> Just set yourself free. And, you know, it's hard to – I really enjoy listening to Ray because Ray doesn't try to be funny. He just is. <laughs> Ray just spontaneously makes me laugh, but yet he has so much information that he gets across. It's at the end of the day here. I've got a lot of stuff here, but I just want to kind of bring attention to a couple of things about this emerging church. There are two books. This book is called Emergence, The Rebirth of the Sacred by the father of the New Age, David Spengler. He's like the shaman of the New Age, and his book is Emergence. Barbara Marks Hubbard is one of the most prolific and dangerous New Age teachers. She's been around for years. She claims to have heard from Christ. She did it after contemplative prayer when she recited scripture and then got a vision, and in that vision, it basically came to her from, she said, from Christ, obviously wasn't, and it was a vision of the future where everything was connected, everything was of God, and there were just amazing healings going on, but this Christ told her that in the future, those who do not go along with this emerging process, I would suggest emerging deception, I would suggest emerging antichrist. It's interesting because... If you look at Revelation 13, 1 and 2, it talks about the beast that rises up out of the sea. And if you look at the definition of emergence, it says that it arises, something that arises from a liquid. I thought that was pretty interesting. Hubbard's book is called Emergence, the shift from ego to essence. Remember the shift? That's another overlapping term, shift. They had a shift conference at uh, Bill Hybels, uh Willow Creek Church with Brian McLaren and uh, Dan Kimball, as I recall. These, I mean, they, the only way that I can really describe these guys is to, is to borrow from the Bible. And when they're cornered, they'll say something from Scripture. But Paul anticipated this, and he talked about those who had double tongues. James talked about those who are double-minded. He, he used that twice in the book of James. And David in the Psalms talks about those with a double heart. Tonto, on the Lone Ranger, for those of us that can date ourselves back to that period, talked about those who speak with a forked tongue. I've noticed that these guys 
a real good with bringing up the right scripture at the right time. I've seen Rick Warren talk about John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. On Larry King, he says that. And people say, well, what, what, do, you, then what do you do with that? Well, when Rick Warren says that God is in everything, quotes New Age doctors that have spirit guides, has aligned himself with a lot of the emerging people, is a disciple of Robert Schuller. you got to figure that one out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. And as we read or heard from uh, Harry Ironside, truth mixed with error is the most insidious error. How are you going to get the, the Bible-believing church over into the new spirituality without some kind of transition? We're looking at this transition right now. Part of the thing that I guess I want to say is that when I was in the New Age, most of our teachings came to us through books that were channeled from the spirit world through a person, or we got direction from the spirit world ourselves. I have a friend named Jesse who was in the New Age for a number of years. As a believer, I think he was into his 15th year as a believer, he really wanted to know what kind of a ministry the Lord would have for him. He fasted for three days. He went on a Christian retreat. He went out into this valley in Oregon. And he prayed, and he said, Lord, what ministry would you have me do? And he heard, you're going to be a healer. And that was exactly what he wanted. And he went, wow. Then he heard it again. And he said, yes, Lord, with with you working through me. The third time he heard it, he said the hair stood up on his arm. He prayed, tested the spirit, and, and, and prayed that it would leave because he knew it was a demonic spirit. This is a guy... Strong believer, very discerning, fasted, prayed. At any time, the spirit world can bang in and try to communicate what it wants to communicate. And this is why I I think this is one of the strongest reasons you want to be suspicious of these emerging, so-called emerging, emergent, hipster, cool, whatever, teachers, because they don't warn you 1 John 4, 1. You just don't see that anywhere. They tell you all about contemplative prayer, but they don't tell you to test the spirits. That should be a sign right there, because so much of the deception that they're not talking about came in from the spirit world. Be still and know that I'm God, Psalm 46.10. That was something that we used to recite in the New Age before we went into meditation. Think about it. I'd be sitting there. I remember at an Edgar Casey conference once we did this. Be still, I would repeat, and know that I am God. That was what we did in the New Age. My question is, why are Christian leaders using that same scripture? It's not hidden at all. Anybody that, it's like Ray said, you know, what he said, you have to climb under barbed wire fence or something to, you know, to be a researcher. To know that this is the phrase that was used the founding of Findhorn, New Age community over in Scotland. Eileen Caddy was in a cathedral, and she heard that very be still and know that I am God. And the conversation that she had took her right down that road where God, the still small voice as she called it, told her she was God. And that was the key to taking Christianity into a universal Christianity that would unite the world. Let's remember... When the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? He said, take heed that no man deceives you, for many shall come in my name, 
saying, I am Christ. What did the Course in Miracles Jesus say when he was asked if he was the Christ? Oh yes, along with you. That immediately fails the test of the spirits because Jesus is the Christ, the one and only Christ. It's not universal Christ. It's not Christ in everyone. And it's this, this idea that you cannot have this universal Christ and hold on to your faith. But wait a second. A lot of our Christian leaders are telling us we just need to enlarge our faith. We just need to kind of give it a nudge. We need to kind of just explore a little bit further, then maybe we can all come together. Now, this is the trick, this is the scheme, this is the deception that the Antichrist is using to put all of us economically, socially, spiritually, up against the wall in these very difficult times. And it kind of reminds me of the, um, of the old cowboy movies where the good guy comes, you know, driving, in, or trying to keep riding into town, and uh, the, the, the bad guy comes out of the saloon and starts shooting at his feet, and he says, dance. And while he's dancing, he tells him what he wants him to do, to stop shooting. That's kind of where we're all being held hostage a little bit right now. And I don't buy this thing about the Bible gets stale, or we need to liven up the church. Uh, there's a young guy that was telling me that he um, had left early McManus's church, because it was just like, hey, let's have a good time. That's crazy. Sure, let's have a good time in the Lord, but he's warned us that these are the times the sign of the end would be spiritual deception. We're not hearing any of that from Rick Warren. I have a friend who was saved at Saddleback. Yes, he was saved at Saddleback. People do get saved at Saddleback. And he said that he never heard anything about spiritual deception, any warnings about any of this stuff from Rick Warren or any of the teachers there. It was four. When he read my book, The Light of the Ark, he said it was like, I've never, I've never heard of anything like that before. So if you don't declare all the counsel of God, you can get in people's good graces. You know, you talk about the, the Lord and being saved and all that. But you know what? There's a battle going on. There's persecution. It's not easy being a Christian. But you know what? The Lord upholds us. He gives us protection. Does it mean we're not going to get oppressed sometimes or, or, or some difficult situations? Of course not. Look what the disciples are up against. I was walking through the Dallas Well, sorry about that, but it looks like the computer crashed on me again. Hooray. Because I don't know why it locks up like it does. It's been a long day. I thank you for your patience. But just, uh, I think God is doing the work. We're just... Let's see. Can we sort it out? He's taking Christianity. It's Okay, so we're going to try it again here. About spiritual deception. Any warnings about any of this stuff from Rick Warren or any of the teachers there? It was four. When he read my book, The Light of the Ark, he said it was like I'd never, I'd never heard of anything like that before. So 
if you don't declare all the counsel of God, you can get in people's good graces. You know, you talk about the, the Lord and being saved and all that, but you know what? There's a battle going on. There's persecution. It's not easy being a Christian, but you know what? The Lord upholds us. He gives us protection. Does it mean we're not going to get oppressed sometimes or, or, or some difficult situations? Of course not. Look what the disciples are up against. I was walking through the Dallas airport one time right after a conference, and I was eating a Haagen-Dazs ice cream cone, and I was thinking, <laughs> this isn't exactly the way the disciples did it, you know, flying around in airports and eating Haagen-Dazs ice cream. But I think we're coming to those days where we might see a lot more of what the disciples experienced. If you haven't noticed that there's a nasty edge to these guys in the emerging church, they're not too, they're not too favorable towards Bible-believing Christians, and what they do, which I think is really interesting, for people that are so into helping everyone and being so loving, they like to really stereotype and make it look like everybody's just a stodgy old fundamentalist. They've just been sitting in their house, you know, just getting stale, reading the Bible, and that's all they do. Uh, one that really gets me is Shane Claiborne. Uh, he's probably sincere. He went to Iraq as a peace advocate. He's got a community in Philadelphia that he lives in with the homeless, he went and stayed with Mother Teresa, and, and he's got you know, very engaging writings about the people that he met on the street and, and the people that are doing good things for people, but he has this way of just kind of backhanding the church, like nobody's ever done anything before the emerging church came along. I used to work helping the homeless, and I would see these people on the street. There's people all over the community doing good Christian things, but they don't jump up on the stage at Saddleback and say, hey, I've got a world peace plan, or they don't, they don't go to Mother Teresa and then write a book about it. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But, you know, we're really not supposed to do our alms in public. We're just supposed to do what we do. These guys seem to really like to let us all know what good works they're doing and how we're all kind of just backward. You know, if being backward is believing the Bible and sticking with it, no matter what happens, then let's be backward. You know, it's just uh, the way it is. So, uh, Proverbs 16, 29, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Isaiah 54, 15, he said, Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. That's the broad way. That's what we're looking at out there. In an introduction to a 1999 publication of Hitler's Mein Kampf, Conrad Haydn describes how everything that Hitler was about to do was telegraphed in his early writings. He said, quote, For years Mein Kampf stood as proof of the blindness and complacency of the world. For in its pages, Hitler announced long before he came to power a program of blood and terror and a self-revelation of such overwhelming frankness that few among its readers had the courage to believe it. Once again, it was demonstrated that there was no more effective method of concealment than the broadest publicity. Everything's out there. Everything's been said. And biblical Christianity is the enemy of this world universalism that's coming on the scene. I wrote a book after September, actually started it just before September 11, 2001, about the coming false Christ. It's online free at reinventingjesuschrist.com. I wrote about some of the New Age teachers. You really want to try to read Barbara Marks Hubbard, Emergence. She claims to have heard from Christ, and she lays out her alternative to Armageddon, and it's based on the fact that everybody comes together, and there is a selection process, a literal selection process, to get rid of those who do not go along and who hinder the peace plan. I'm not trying to ruin your afternoon. 
She wrote this back in 1994 and claims it's a thus speaketh the Lord type thing. I say it just because it's no different than Mein Kampf. They have laid out how they're going to do this. They have their plan, and I see an awful lot of church leaders just walking right into this trap. I don't doubt that many of them are just are very sincere, but we've got to remember there were warnings about wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, Leonard Sweet uh, is a man who is all over the church right now. He's been mentoring pastors in all denominations. He did a small group workshop with uh, Rick Warren in 2008, uh, he's spoken at Schiller's Crystal Cathedral. He speaks at universities. He's been involved with the Nazarenes, the Quakers. He's a United Methodist preacher. And he wrote a book called Quantum Spirituality, a postmodern apologetic back in 1991. And in that book, he thanked David Spangler, emergence, father of the new age, for helping him with his new cell theory. He also called his role mo- he called them his role models and his heroes, Willis Harmon, key New Age figure that I was well aware of when I was in the New Age, has a book um, that has uh, New Age consciousness in the, in the subtitle, Global Mind Change is the name of Harmon's book. He also, Sweet also calls Matthew Fox the runaway uh, defrocked Catholic priest, New Age priest, who had Starhawk the Witch on his faculty. He calls Matthew Fox one of his role models and his heroes. He also had M. Scott Peck as one of his role models and heroes. He has a new book out called Nudge. Nudge, awakening each other to the God who is already there. He says, evangelists nudge the Jesus in people to sit up and take notice. Did you catch that? Evangelists nudge the Jesus in people to sit up and take notice. Nudgers are not smudgers of the divine in people. You know, they make it look like every one of us is like the mean-spirited, you know, inner-city evangelist who just kind of spews hatred and tells everybody they're sinners and doesn't really win too many people to the Lord that way. We don't walk up to people. Jesus didn't walk up to people and, and just and just cream them. But it was more like, you know, Peter, you know, your sin, and it's it's great. I mean, I, I just I just know he didn't go around operating that way. But he also reserved his harshest words for the religious leaders of his time. And he said something like, you travel around sea and land to make one convert, only to make them twice the son of hell that you are yourselves. That's what these guys are doing. They're taking people down a road that is the blood way. It's exactly what Jesus said would lead away from him. He warned about deception. Leonard Sweet says, nudgers, can you believe all this purpose-driven, nudgers, you know, spiritual formation, all these clever phrases. Come on, just keep it in the Bible. We don't need all these gimmicks. Nudgers help people discover their inner Jesus. Leonard Sweet. I was talking to my wife one night, and I said, you know, there's really no other way to describe Leonard Sweet except he's a wolf in wolf's clothing. He's so obvious. But yet there he is, being hailed by the Nazarene denomination, Quakers, you know, Rick Warren, doing small groups with him. Rick Warren, by the way, I sort of see him as the CEO of this whole big um, emerging deception. And remember, the best way to describe it to your friends is not emerging or emergent, but merging. It's merging with the world, merging with the new spirituality. 
says, the world is not God, of course, but the incarnation goes all the way down and the spirit indwells all that exists. And that's the bottom line. You thought, you know, may the force be with you. That was purposeful. That was purposeful. May the force be with you. God is an energy that, it's called panentheism, that inhabits his creation or the creation. And Leonard Sweet's book, Quantum Spirituality, was the trumpet blast that quantum physics is going to be used to prove, I believe, that God is in everything. It's going to be the nudge that's going to take people away from Jesus Christ as Savior to Jesus as a Christ who discovered his own divinity. And by the way, Seem to be having technical problems, so I'm sorry. With connecting, staying connected keeps dropping. What can we do about this? Because I really do want people to listen to this. tell you one thing, I've had nothing but problems with this sky monkey or whatever it's called. Sea monkey, sea monkey, that's something, it's nothing but problems. And um, it always keeps dropping on me. You see, it's 20. Let's see if we go like that. It's been a long day. I thank you for your patience. But this, uh, I think God is doing a work. Let's try it again. That quantum physics is going to be used to prove, I believe, that God is in everything. It's going to be the nudge that's going to take people away from Jesus Christ as Savior to Jesus as a Christ who discovered his own divinity. And by the way, that's Oprah Winfrey, 1987. She had a show on the New Age, and she said, Ray referred to the book. She said, I read a book by Eric Butterworth called Discover the Power That Is Within You. And in that book, I learned that Jesus didn't come to teach us about his divinity, but about ours. It was 1987. She repeated that when she had Eckhart Tolle on that worldwide uh, Internet program she did with Eckhart Tolle. She repeated that very thought about all of us having that divinity. The very first questioner, I believe it was a setup, the woman calls up and says, Oprah, you know, I'm a Christian, and I'm having a little bit of trouble reconciling my beliefs with what you and Eckhart are telling, telling us about. Telling us, telling us about. And, and Oprah said, well, as I mentioned before on the show, the pre-show, 
there's a book by Eric Butterworth. And in that book, Eric Butterworth talks about the divinity of man over 100 times. He says in that book to stand in front of a mirror and say namaskar, salute the, the divinity that you're looking at. That's yourself. That's like Ray's comment about Thomas Merton saying, if everybody could see how great we all are, we'd fall down and worship each other. No. Psalm 39.5 talks about the end of our days. We see how frail we are, how we need God as our Savior, God as our strength. And verily, man in his best state is altogether vanity. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have respect for people. He obviously did. But he knew that we were lost, and, he, and we know that we need a Savior. I remember I had lunch one time with a secretary from Salvation Army when I was running a homeless program, and she was not a believer, and we were talking. And she says, well, why do I need a Savior? I said, Chris, maybe you don't. If you don't have anything you need to be saved from, I guess you probably don't. She says, what do you mean I don't need a Savior? <laughs> But we sure knew that we needed to be saved from something. But when you're flying high, and a lot of these emerging churches are flying high because they're avoiding, they're avoiding what's really going on. And let's face it, the devil gave us a lot of slack when we were in the New Age. Things felt pretty good. Interesting that when we started to see what was happening, boy, you know, things came down hot and heavy, real hot and heavy. And we found out that some of the people that were in the New Age were actually, some of them are black magicians, and they were into darkness, and they were just pretending to be bearers of light. I don't want to beat Oprah up too much, but I think we need to make this point. Um, she had a show. Well, here, let me back up. Neil Donald Walsh, somebody asked about him at the break, wrote a book called Conversations with God. He was feeling suicidal. He was kind of railing out against God, and all of a sudden, you know, God started talking to him. He says, here you go with, you know, the, the voices, you know, not testing the spirits. And, and basically, he ended up with, I think, about seven or eight books. Three of them were Conversations with God books one, two, and three. Here's what God told Neil Donald Walsh. There's only one of us. You and I are one. God is creation. You are already a God. You simply do not know it. You are the creator and the created, with a capital C. Now, this is, this is what I, I'm introducing an element of severity here, because you need to know that this, is, this stuff is really going deep. Here's what God told Neil Donald Walsh, and it's in his uh, Conversation with God books. God said, the mistakes Hitler made did no harm or damage to those whose deaths he caused. Those souls were released from their earthly bondage like butterflies emerging from a, co from a cocoon. So the first thing you have to understand, as I've already explained to you, is that Hitler didn't hurt anyone. In a sense, he didn't inflict suffering. He ended it. Do you see how they're rationalizing what they're doing here? This is God, according to Neil Donald Walsh. If you are a being who chooses to cut out a cancer within you in order to preserve your larger life form, then you will demonstrate that. That's exactly what Barbara Marks Hubbard says in the selection process. She says Christ told her that if a cancer needs to be removed from the body, if it's hindering the body, remember if all of humanity is the body of God and the body of Christ, if you're not recognizing you know, here you go, who you really are. That's the big phrase, who you really are. We even saw that on a Viagra ad the other day, who you really are. God and Christ. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how they work that one. But <laughs> how about this one? I tell you this, that at the moment of your death, you will realize the greatest freedom, the greatest peace, the greatest joy, and the greatest love you have ever known. Shall we therefore punish Br'er Fox for throwing Br'er Rabbit in the briar patch? Oprah Winfrey 
called Neil Donald Walsh one of the 10 most memorable thinkers that she's ever met. She said that on her show. But listen to what didn't happen. I happen to know somebody who went to Neil Donald Walsh's sort of insiders conference, Humanities Team, it was in Portland, Oregon, as a matter of fact. And here, this is the transcript I took right off of his tape. Oprah brought me to Chicago. By the way, I'm going to preface this by saying, with all respect for the apologetics of Lee Strobel, he has a book called The Real Jesus. Keep in mind, Lee Strobel was a saddleback pastor, and then he went to Willow Creek. I'm not sure where he is now. He, in his book, The Real Jesus, he gives six scenarios for false Christs. He gives the New Age almost a complete pass. He misses all of this, leaves it all out. This guy researches a lot. He shouldn't be missing this stuff. He just kind of made mention of Shirley MacLaine, you know, running down the beach, I am God. And he made mention of um, how, oh, I, here's the point. He quoted a journalist who said, Oprah has been involved in so many different things, she doesn't really know what she believes. Don't you believe it? She knows exactly what she believes. Her beliefs have been consistent from 1987 when she did that show in the New Age Movement, The Course in Miracles, The Secret, all this stuff. The most recent one being Eat, Pray, Love. The book that's just sold millions, Julia Roberts just started the movie. Fortunately, it was a terrible movie. Even people that loved the book have told me that they hated the movie. And, and in that movie, Julia Roberts, uh, as this main character, goes to India, goes to an ashram, and in the movie you hear, God dwells within you as you, dwells within you as you. So Neil Donald Walsh is telling the story. Listen carefully. Oprah brought me to Chicago. She loves conversations. In fact, she said it's her favorite book. She says that on every, every New Age book because it gets them right out. She says that on the air. This is my favorite book and holds up conversations with God. So she brought me to Chicago and she said, let's do two hours I'm going to do a two-hour special, and she interviewed me on videotape for two hours, and we had a fascinating conversation the way only Oprah can because she gets right into the interior of it. And I went back home, flying back home, and I thought, my God, they're going to do a two-hour special. This is incredible. Talk about Zooming sales. And I went home, and it stayed in the can for a year and a half. I did not call her because I didn't want to bother Oprah with, you know, where's my program, when are you going to put it on? But finally the producer called us and said, you know, Neil, we just can't use it. You're so incredibly provocative in what you're saying about your relationship with God, humanity's relationship with God, where religion currently stands in the world, and so on and so on, that we've looked at this thing, we've watched this program eight times, and all of us agree it's just too soon. You're way ahead of the curve. We can't put this on now. Don't think that Oprah doesn't have an agenda. Again, when I was in the New Age, if I had the Oprah Winfrey show, the Lauren Smith show, and I could do what she was doing now, I would have done it because I believed in it. But she's very deceived, and I really encourage you to pray for her. I mean, a lot of us, I, I, it's a miracle I got saved, and it's a miracle that the Apostle Paul, you know, was brought out of what he was doing into the faith. So don't give up on her, but you better know this. Is, and now she's got her own network next, uh, next year where she's going to have all these, Marianne Williamson probably and Dr. Oz, and it's just going to be firing from all cylinders. So what's interesting is that Neil Donald Walsh's God, in a book called uh, The New Revelations, commended 
Are you ready for this? Neil Donald Walsh and his God commended Robert Schuller for being an extraordinary minister and the kind of guy that could bridge the church with the New Age new spirituality. How about that? They also praise Norman Vincent Peale. Norman Vincent Peale in his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, says God is in you. Remember Rick Warren on page 88 of The Purpose Driven Life, God rules everything, is everywhere, and is in everything. So Rick Warren, when I wrote my book, Deceived on Purpose, he was confronted with a lot of this stuff because a lot of people were uneasy. I, I, I brought a lot of facts to the surface. And he, he immediately had his chief apologist, kind of a clever guy, who, uh, who took on every point that I made and just twisted it, turned it, and tried to you know, refute it. He, he had uh, this guy just saying, oh, he had him interview Rick Warren. This guy interviewed Rick Warren, and he says, is Robert Shuler your mentor? No, never was, never would be. Well, that sounds good. Oh, he's got nothing to do with Robert Shuler. Wrong. Here's what's really interesting. Right about this time, Rick Warren had mentioned that Bruce Wilkinson was one of his, Rick Warren's, best friends. Right at this time that Rick Warren's denying his relationship with Robert Schuller, Rick Warren's best friend, one of his best friends, said at the Crystal Cathedral, on, in a show, The Hour of Power, that went across the world, Bruce Wilkins said, I love this church. I love being here. I love walking on this property. I felt just like I was one step from heaven when I came on this property this morning. You know, it's only if you're a visionary do you know the price tag it takes to be the real leader. I mean, way out front on the edge. And that led to a standing ovation for Robert Schuller at the Crystal Cathedral. Now, are you telling me that Bruce Wilkinson, Rick Warren's just pushing Robert Schuller away, and there's this really good friend doing this, and then meanwhile, Rick Warren's wife is saying that Robert Schuller had a profound influence on him. These guys aren't being straight. I would respect them. I respect the New Age leaders more that say, hey, I, I believe in the New Age. I don't believe in biblical Christianity. I think you're wrong. But I think these guys like Richard Foster, Rick Warren, Erwin McManus, Leonard Sweet, if they would just say, you know what, uh, we really don't care that much about the Bible. It's got some good stuff in it, but we like spiritual experience, and we like what the New Age is doing, we like the new spirituality, and that's where we stand. So when you read our books, you will have that understanding. No, they're not doing that. They're leading people across the bridge. That's why Robert Schuller was commended by Neil Donald Walsh's God, and that's why I believe that Bruce Wilkinson, he's been around a long time, he's been with Rick Warren and a lot of those guys for a long time, he's saying that Schuller is a visionary and he's the real leader, I mean, way out front on the edge. And that's because Schuller, remember, had the guy that introduced me to A Course in Miracles on his program in 2004, and nobody said nothing that I'm aware of. I couldn't believe it. So, anyway, the funny thing is, is that the, the Aquarian Conspiracy was a book written by Marilyn Ferguson and it really was a, a trumpet blast. Um, it was kind of like uh, in the 1932 World Series. Uh, some of you guys might remember that uh, there was a, a, a Chicago Cubs and New York Yankees were playing in the World Series, and the Cubs were really razzing Babe Ruth, big home run hero. So Babe Ruth pointed out to the left center field stands as if to say, I'm going to hit it right out there. And he did. He hit a home run. The Aquarian Conspiracy they basically announced what they were going to do. This, this woman, speaking for the New Age, back in 1980, said, usually at the point of crisis, someone has a great heretical idea. A powerful new insight explains the apparent contradictions. It introduces a new principle, a new perspective. 
Given the superior scope of the new idea, we might expect it to prevail rather quickly, but that almost never happens. The problem is you can't embrace the new paradigm unless you let go of the old. If these discoveries of transformation are to become our common heritage for the first time in history, they must be widely communicated. They must become our new consensus, what everybody knows. Enter Oprah Winfrey. This woman was on Oprah Winfrey's show in 1987, program on the New Age Movement. That's when Oprah announced that she had come to the realization that Jesus was teaching us about our divinity, not his. At the beginning, well, actually, the, the whole title of that book, The Aquarian Conspiracy, is taken from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. You've got to try to remember this man's name. He was a heretical Jesuit Catholic priest who was basically shunned by the Catholic Church uh, back in the 40s and 50s. And he had a saying, and he said, this soul is, uh, is a conspiracy of individuals. I want you to listen to just two or three of these teachings, and I have a real point here, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. Chardin said, a general convergence of religions upon a universal Christ who fundamentally satisfies them all seems to me the only possible conversion of the world and the only form in which a religion of the future can be conceived. What I am proposing to do is to narrow the gap between pantheism and Christianity by bringing out what one might call the Christian soul of pantheism or the pantheistic aspect of Christianity. Hello? The cross still stands, but this is on one condition and one only, that it expand itself to the dimensions of a new age and cease to prevent itself to us primarily for even or even exclusively the sign of victory over sin. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. Leonard Sweet, The Wolf in Wolf's Clothing, in his book Quantum Spirituality in 1991, said that Pierre de Chardin was 20th century Christianity's major voice. This is the man that is all over the evangelical church right now, the so-called evangelical church. United Methodist minister, you don't pay much attention. All of a sudden, it was like he put on a new suit of clothes. He's being heralded and speaking with Rick Warren and others, and he's suddenly an evangelical like Brian McLaren. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, his quote is at the beginning of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. It's the very first quote in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series written by Jack Canfield, one of the co-authors, who was a New Age leader that I was very aware of when I was in the New Age. First story in the book, Love the Creative Force by Eric Butterworth, the very man that Oprah talked about and endorsed and, and unleashed his teachings. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I don't know if you can see it from my perspective, but I come out of the New Age. We go through all sorts of spiritual battles. We understand that there was a victory won over evil on the cross, that sin and the devil and Evil was just, the Satan was defeated on the cross of Calvary, that that's the victory in Jesus that we all sing about and talk about. They're trying to take that away. They're like, it's like, you know, like that line that I had, you know, forget the cross, Hoss. You know, that's, that's 50 ways to leave your Savior. And they have a whole bunch of them. Do contemplative prayer, Claire, or whatever. You know, I mean, it's just one thing after another. I had about, I had about 80 of them, and I finally stopped. I was afraid Paul Simon might get after me for copyright infringement or something. So... One, one other thing that Chardin said that I think is very important because we're looking at spiritual evolution. This is what they're calling it. You know, we, we, a lot of our church leaders are, are beating Darwinian evolution over the head. It's spiritual evolution. 
That is what is being brought forward right now. Chardin said, God is not dead, but he changes. He says, the transformation of the God of the gospel into the God of evolution. Let me just remind you that in Malachi 3.6, the Lord said, for I am the Lord, I change not. In Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Romans 1.25 warns about those who change the truth of God into a lie. And I would suggest a lie is that God is in everyone and everything. Quantum physics says that the subatomic particles are the energy of God. They call it the source with a capital S. And what they do is they say that the, the observed is affected, or the, the observed is affected by the observer. In other words, if you're looking at yourself, you're affecting that energy. All is one. Quantum physics. Do you need to understand quantum physics? Do you have to go get a physics book and understand physics? No. I've got four chapters on it in A Wonderful Deception. And Leonard Sweet is just so obvious. I couldn't even call him a wolf in sheep's clothing because he's just so obvious. It's like Schuler. They, they just can't even pull it off. But then you've got, well, for instance, in a 2009 book, David Jeremiah refers to and quotes theologian Leonard Sweet. Excuse me. In that same book, as I recall, either that or the, the, most, the one just before that, David Jeremiah quotes from the message. In 2003, he quoted from Sumon Kid. You heard Ray talking about Sumon Kid. She's in the goddess worship. She said that God's not only in the roses, he's in excrement. That's her quote in her book, The Dance of the Dissonant Daughter. Why is David Jeremiah quoting Sumon Kid and theologian Leonard Sweet? Especially when he just written the book just previous to that, warning about the New Age and saying it was one of the most dangerous things to the Christian worldview. I haven't even come close to doing what I wanted to do here, but I will say there's a book that just came out called Occult America, A Secret History of How Mysticism Shaped Our Nation. It's the new revolution. We're going to see how the Masons really had it right. God's in everything. The uh, endorsement on the top of the book is by Ken Burns, the historian that's on public TV all the time. He's done documentaries on baseball, Civil War, jazz, and most recently the national parks, Think Environment. They actually have a quote in that thing where it says that uh, John Muir, the founder of one of the founding forces of the Yosemite National Park, was creating a new kind of Christianity, the worship of creation. That's in that National Parks thing, if you watch that closely. Occult America, the secret history of how mysticism shapes our nation. Are we going to find ourselves watching a Ken Burns documentary in the near future about the mystical underpinnings of this country and how this is all going to bring everything together? I'm just, I'm just about out of time. I want to read some uh, scriptures that I hope will be helpful in, in refuting that man is not God. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 6, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me, most especially the God that's in yourself. He didn't say that, but he might as well have. Psalm 9, 20, put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Psalm 39, 4, and 5, O oh Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. What do we need a Savior? Isaiah 31.3, Now the Egyptians are men and not God. Jeremiah 10.23, O oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Marianne Williamson, Oprah's chief 
disciple there with the Course of Miracles, said that accepting Christ is merely a shift in self-perception. How do you like that? Go from the ego to the Christ within. That's all you need to do to get saved by Marianne Williamson. Ezekiel 28.2, Son of man, saying to the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God, thou, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Hosea 11.9, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger, I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. I thought this one was really very telltale. Matthew 24, uh, actually Matthew 20, uh, I'm sorry, John 2, uh, 24, 25, when Jesus said that he did not commit himself to men because he knew what was in man. Now, if God was in man, wouldn't he be showing him that? But, of course, you can't get too far with the world or with the emerging church because they really don't have that much respect for the Bible, but you do. So you, you know these things, and you stand on this when people are challenging you. Galatians 6, 3, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 2 Corinthians 1, 9, that we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Thank God that we have the Bible. And yet these emerging, emergence, emerging hipsters are basically saying that doctrine is just church stuff. And that um, we really don't, what, what did uh, Shane Claiborne say? He said, you know, you're kind of lucky if you, if, you don't, if you haven't read the Bible because if you read it too many times, it gets kind of stale. Have any of you had that experience? I sure haven't. So, I think, I think the only thing I want to do, I want to make sure that we hit just a little bit on contemplative prayer and, and then I'll just do this in a minute or two. On the DVD, Be Still, you have Richard Foster, who Ray talked about, saying you can always tell the voice of God because Satan pushes and condemns and God draws and encourages. Well, that ball of light that seduced me was not exactly, you know, it didn't feel evil, it felt good. This is just absolute deception. He knows better. I know he knows better. Beth Moore was on that video with Richard Foster and other contemplatives like Dallas Willard. And she said, um, God's word is so clear that if we are not still before him, we will never truly know him to the depth of the marrow in our bones that he is God. There's got to be stillness. I'm sorry. That's just not true. And I was surprised to see that Beth Moore uses the message. I mean, if somebody's a real Bible teacher, she's kind of like the icon right now, why are they using the message? There's a, there's a scripture, 2 Peter 1.16, where, uh, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. You know what Eugene Peterson says? He says, for that paraphrase, don't go wishing upon a star. Eugene Peterson, as the top endorsement over the shack, in which is a, obviously a cunningly devised fable. So if, I, if we haven't driven you uh, completely into the ground with all of this, negativity, we need to remember that the Apostle Paul and Xavier said that it's a shame that we have to talk about this, but we do. But we don't have to talk about it every week. If you get it and you can share it and stand and defend your faith, then we contend for the faith, we fight the good fight, and we will just have to wait and see what happens in the future. But it's not going to be the future that these guys have. It's going to be the future that's written right there in the Bible. Things are getting worse and worse. When I was in the New Age, I told everybody, hey, 
every day and every way things are getting better and better. Now I'm a Christian and every day and every way things are getting worse and worse. <laughs> who, do you, who do you think they're listening to? Thank you very much. What an amazing day. So much to digest, but it's simple. Hopefully all, everything that you're hearing, you're hearing from different angles. Now, some of you out there are using Beth Moore stuff. What are you doing? You're setting your church up. If I give you a glass of water, eight ounces, and from the kitchen to where you're at, I'm bringing it to you. I stop at the table and I put a little, one drop of something. Say, what would you put? Oh, don't worry about it. Look at all the water. Just one drop of cyanide. Look at all the water. You cannot compromise God's word. Now listen to me. We're not the masters of truth. We're all off somewhere. We just don't know where. When I find out I'm wrong, I get back on track. Okay? But this stuff is off the wall. So Leonard Sweet, uh, Rob Bell, all these guys, McLaren, Rick Warren, we, we don't know these guys. We're speaking about and against what they are teaching and believe and contaminating. They have poisoned the well. All right? Contemplative prayer, contemplative you can get into, anybody can come to God. You don't have to be a Christian. You're emptying your mind. As you said, the Desert Fathers, New Age Movement. It's all a mixture of all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can go through so many things. It began with back member Shirley MacLaine. Um, Malibu Beach, I am God. New Age. Again, it's all reviving Hinduism. And it goes on and on and on. But we are warned... And we shouldn't be deceived. Again, the scripture I gave you when I came out, First Timothy 4, 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says, In latter times, some will depart from the faith, can we keep the Zeus and spirits and doctrines of demons. This is exactly where it's from. It's from the pit of hell. I don't care how sincere you are. If you are wrong, be wrong on anything, but not eternal things. You're wrong in a negotiation, you lose money, man, you might make some more. When you miss heaven, the only thing you can hit is hell. Right? Hell is broad. Heaven is real narrow. And Jesus says, strive, the word agon, the Greek word for agonize. Strive to enter it. You don't just waltz into heaven. You ever read Pilgrim's Progress? He says, there's, one, there's, a, there's a door to hell one step away from heaven's gate. Very biblical. You fight. The good fight. He died for you. You should do everything, even up to death. For anybody who wants to take away the truth away from you. And I can sit here and give you all kinds of... I'll read First, Second Timothy. Um, the pastoral epistle is all about doctrine, 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 teaching things that are so important. And so we want to thank you for coming. Um, 
We just can't uh, thank you enough. We've been praying about this conference, and we hope that you just take this information and lift it to the Lord and, and, and be a doer. And do not be deceived. I don't care who it is. I don't care how many years they've been in the Lord. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're not walking in obedience to the word of Jesus Christ, if you are compromising the word of God, then you are an enemy of God. There's no if or but about it. Every person that's in hell this afternoon truly believes the gospel, but it doesn't help them now. There are no non-believers in hell. Everybody's a believer. They've just made the decision on the wrong side. That's why you're living. Did you make that decision? And maybe you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ. And you need to know that Jesus is God who became man, died for your sin, rose from the dead. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's not biting his nails. We're right on time. If we're the generation, the Antichrist is alive somewhere. If we're the generation. Don't walk out of here and say, Pastor Xavier said it. There was a generation. As I look around at the world scene, and I see the one world government, listen to me, I've been teaching this for 36 years. And a year and a half ago, it happened overnight, the last two days of December, as we lost one-third of our wealth in retirement. When they gave that stifling package, not stimulus, the stifling the greatest ripoff in world's history of, of money. It's put in the position that we're ready for a one-world market as an established market. The color market has been around for many years. One-world ruler. One-world money. Nobody could ever have known how it was going to happen. So we should really all write a thank you letter to Mr. Obama. We're speeding it up for the Lord to come back. <laughs> Do not compromise your faith. Never compromise your faith. Time is the test of all things. Not how big your church is. Not how many degrees you have. But are you faithful to God? Are you faithful to Jesus Christ? Joel says, even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Bottom line, you know, my son almost lost his life in 205 in, a, in Iraq. He's in Special Force Recon, and the six-man team went out, and his good friend, um, Seamus Davy, got killed. Brother friend got shot three times. He got shot white jacket and by God's grace it didn't go through. And if these guys are so courageous to defend us and to allow us to experience our freedom and to live so comfortably here, are willing to do that and many of them not being Christians. Should we not be willing to fight and die for the gospel that many have died over, have been burned at the stake for? If not, then and don't call yourself a Christian. On the way out, throw your Bible in the trash. 
It may come to a time where we have to lay our life down in America. No one knows things are happening too fast. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Because even when they bury you, they don't even bury you with shoes. Can't take nothing. <laughs> but you'll be instantly present with the Lord. I can't lose. And I'll be talking about my compromise now. I can stick my neck out and see the finish line. I'm getting old. <laughs> and so we just pray for you. We know that God is doing something in each of our hearts, and I know that God has a purpose for this conference. Far beyond just this church. We, Kelly has been a, a little minute sliver of the body of Christ. But some of you are here from other churches. God will hold you accountable for what you've heard. What are you going to do with it? For evil to triumph, all the good men have to do is do nothing. Don't tell me you have, you're just sitting there being a witness. Open your mouth. Stand for truth. Draw a line. Otherwise, you're part of the problem, too. It's just that simple. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your grace and love. Thank you for this time, and Lord, I just pray for every person here. Watch over them, protect them. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, they will just open their hearts to you, Lord, and accept you. We love you, Lord. And we praise you. Thank you for Warren, for Ray, the ministry of life. You protect them, provide them, watch over them. And Lord, help us to be faithful servants, Lord. But after we do everything, Lord, that we say, well, that we are just unprofitable servants. I want that we may hear well done, a good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for your grace and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, someone's going to meet you right in that door. Or walk through the sinner's prayer, give you a Bible, a hug, you're free to leave. But don't walk out of here the same way you came in, lost. Why don't we stand? We're going to close. Joseph, thank you very much for your worship. And Ray and Warren, thank you very much. And thank you for coming. Okay, whoever listens to this, I hope you get something out of it. The important thing is is that there is an answer to all our problems, and that is Jesus Christ. In King James, preservation and promotion, it says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 in the KJV. Okay, with that, well, what should we do? Should I read something? Should I close it? I think I'm going to close it. And, uh, we'll see what happens after this. So, God bless. Take care. Remember what the solution is. Focus on that more than that problem. That's my prayer. Amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.